Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader. And in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult. And, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Dr. Bob Nelson. Uh, Bob is the president of Nelson Motivation Inc. and he is considered the leading advocate for employee recognition and engagement worldwide. He has sold over 5 million books on those topics, including 1,501 Ways to Reward Employees, the 1,001 Rewards and Recognition Fieldbook, 1,001 Ways to Energize Employees, the Management Bible, 1,001 Ways to Engage Employees, and his latest book, Work Made, uh, Work Made Fun Gets Done, Easy Ways to Boost Energy, Morale, and Results, which I'm so excited uh, to chat a little bit about today. Dr. Bob has been featured extensively in the national and international media, including the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, CNN, CBS 60 Minutes, MSNBC, ABC, PBS, and NPR, about how best to motivate uh, today's employees. He has presented on six continents and worked with 80% of the Fortune 500 companies. Welcome, Bob. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So the the, the question that everyone uh, must have based on what I just read out is, when are you planning to do a workshop uh, on Antarctica? <laughs> Is that That's the last continent left for you? There you go. Yes, I'm actually told that if people make it there, they'll they'll get get the group together that you can talk to them, so you can say you did. <laughs> yeah, you should. I'm sure they've got. I'm, I'm sure they people have done have done that. So it's probably quite difficult to engage people um, in such a climate when there's when you've got weeks and weeks of. Uh, of uh, of nighttime and darkness, so uh, at different times of the year, or is it or is it always light there? I don't know. But anyway, that's one. Uh, so if you plan that, that uh, recognition can go back to. I first had the idea on on John O'White's Leadership Conversations podcast. Uh, no, right. but in, in full sweep of the world, yes, <laughs> yeah. In all seriousness, um, it's wonderful to have you on the podcast. To start off, even though I, I read. Um, I just, you know, told listeners a little bit about you, but can you give everyone a bit of a window into your world right now um, in terms of where you're based, Bob, and and uh, what a day in your life looks like right now? Sure. I'm in, based in San Diego, California, which is uh, the southernmost spot on the West Coast next to Mexico. And it's, uh, everybody's, drawn here by the weather it's the most temperate climate on earth and uh we love it and right now is a beautiful day here on february 7th so i know there's a there's a lot of uh, bad weather in in the u.s on the eastern seaboard and throughout the south but uh we've uh and we have we have our days that, but today's a beautiful day um i i've been here 30 30 years and um plus and my my typical day boy let me think <laughs> working from home so that uh, that's probably isn't new to a lot of people 
I have uh, I have um, make I had a client call today, and um, so I do consulting, and so it's it's uh, calls and follow up on calls and preparation for calls, um, and then I I do um, I do a lot of speaking and more so webinars during the pandemic. So I've got um, several in the hopper coming up in the next few weeks, uh, in particular for Employee Appreciation Day, which is the first week of March, the first Friday in March. So March 4th this year is Employee Appreciation Day, wow. which is a day I created actually 27 years ago. Really? So it's, <laughs> it, yeah, it's kind of fun to see that it's widely celebrated even throughout the world. And, and um, so uh, I initially did that as a twofold. One, I guess the promotional aspect, I had a, a new book coming out at that time called The Thousand One Ways to Reward Employees, mm. which is based on my doctoral dissertation. And then also just basically I wanted to do a give employers a reminder that, you know, it's not that hard to thank people and it's really important to them. So, you know. <laughs> I should be doing this all the time, but this have a day here where at least we're reminding you that uh, to uh, make sure you thank people when they do a good job. Can't get yeah, much easier than that. Doesn't cost any money yet. Only twelve yeah. percent of employees they get um, meaningful recognition and thanks from their where they work. Wow! And uh, three three times they may say that where they work, the stuff that they do on our behalf doesn't do much for them. So you know. Yes. The, uh, maybe the holiday party or something on your birthday or, you know, five year anniversary award uh, that those are kind of pretty stale today that if you want to mm -hmm. be if you really want to have uh, make a difference in in what type of place you have for people to work, uh, the type of difference that attracts people to come to work for you and it has them staying longer than um, it ultimately becomes kind of a cultural aspect on what what are you doing to make people feel valued again not just to be nice but when they've actually performed well desired yeah. behavior performance mm. and that's why i help companies do um 80 of the fortune 500 a lot of corporations um and i, I help them uh, kind of raise raise the ante on on treating people in a um, more exciting, meaningful way. Well, what an amazing! If you, if you actually set up a culture, hmm. you set up a culture where people are routinely thanked um, and made to feel valued for the work they were hired to do. <laughs> then yeah. uh, research indicates that, that they will, your employees will be seven times more likely to stay working for your company wow. for their career, if possible. So some pretty powerful results um, on a on a no cost behavioral activity that every manager, every leader can do and should do. Absolutely, I, I think you're doing incredibly important work, and I think it's uh, amazing legacy work because at the end of the day, what's uh, you know uh, what's most important for for all of us. Or what we remember, which is why I love doing this podcast. What do people remember? What do they always look back at? It's always moments where someone um, invested in them. It's 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 very rarely a work 
skill project achievement related it's a person to person and that recognition and that um, valuing people and helping translate that is is incredible that you've uh, really committed your life to that uh, and I'd, I'd love to segue to find out a bit more about you for listeners so uh, I would love for you to share some of your story, Bob. Some of those moments, you can feel free to go back to childhood, you know, as, as far as you want. What are some of the moments that really shaped you becoming the the leader uh, in this space, but also just the person you are today? Well, the person I am today, I, I guess uh, John Lennon said, life is what happens when you're making other plans. And I think I've... Um, Growing up, I, when I was young, I wanted to be a, a minister, and uh, I went to a religious school, so that probably planned that, that idea. And then I, I had, uh, my dad was in the, in the military, in the Air Force, career officer, and at one point I you know, wanted to take after dad, and he said, no, you don't want to do that. <laughs> and I, I mentioned being a politician, I mean, I don't want to do that either, so... <laughs> Along the way, I found I've been uh, been blessed to have having have worked with some great um, mentors. Um, one of which I contacted out of the blue, and he ended up hiring me, Dr. Ken Blanchard. He wrote the One Minute Manager. Yeah, he sold 15 million copies, and I worked um, with him for over a decade. And as if look at my PhD with uh, working with Dr. Peter Drucker, who's the considered the father of modern management. He's now passed on, but he was a big influence to me. And I'm currently a, a personal coach for Dr. Marshall Goldsmith, who's the number one ranked executive coach in the world. So, wow. And, he, and I knew, I knew him and he asked me to be his coach. And I, I thought he was joking. And he said, no, I'm, I'm very serious. And, and so, okay. So I've That's uh, learned a lot from each of them and hopefully help to uh, you know, push forward some of their learnings that I've learned from those people as well. That's, uh, <laughs> that's a list <laughs> of incredible, incredible people that you've been able to spend, spend time with. When you were younger, you talked about wanting to be a minister. I always love chatting with leaders around a connection between what they're what they've found to be their real calling in life. And when they look back and see, I had no idea at the time, but I can see even back then there was a passion for that, but it was just raw and I didn't know what it was. Is there any is there anything like that? Are there any stories for you from when you were uh, growing up or as a teenager or, or, or even a bit older where you look back and you see a passion for what you're doing now, particularly in that space of valuing people in the workplace yes. or just around leadership, anything uh, that comes to mind? Yes. Well, I, I um, did want to the proverbial help others, <laughs> but I, I think a fundamental a notion on my journey, I remember when I was in high school and then, you know, taking an English class and literature class and the teacher was passing out papers and stopped at my desk and waved my paper in front of, over her head, said, best paper I've had in 
five classes. And I was like, I was embarrassed, you know, and I went back and I reread this paper. What did she see in it? You know, and so I got, I got some messaging uh, early on that I could write, uh, which is basically organized thinking, but scary. It's writing is a hard thing to do for me anyway, that uh, because, you know, you're going to put what's in your head and lay it out for other people to uh, criticize or laugh at. And so it's, it takes a lot of, uh, it's hard to do. It's and, and yeah. yet somehow I've managed to do 31 books. So it's, I keep coming back to it like a moth to a flame, I guess. But uh, it's it's great to have have. It's a lot of work, but it's great to have published because then you have you know something packaged um, that that you that represents what you believe. And I've I've made a point on my uh, books. Um, and writings to travel in real examples. It's a light on theories and, and abstract uh, stuff. And, and here's here's what it looks like. Here's what this this company does. You know, so I, I travel in best practices and real life examples that I've gotten from managers, from my research, yeah. and from consulting, and from talking to them. And that's that's exciting to have uh, to have uh, be able to pass on basically ideas that people hadn't heard of like i'll, I'll give you one i'll give you one i just did and i had to i had a consulting call earlier today and yeah. worked with this company that's a great great company and they're trying to improve their ability to attract and retain uh, talent in very difficult times uh there's a huge shortage uh worldwide of skilled labor and uh it's, it's acute in many many industries and so I, I and and they they're dealing with several of those. It's just you know, um, and, and the answer isn't just more money. You know, they're already paying people way above industry average to attract them and to hold on to them, and mm. and it's they're looking for more. What what else can we do? And well, I got a lot of ideas, and so I, I gave them. You know, I hear what they're doing, and then it's easy for me to see you know where they have holes. And so they they were they had like a referral bonus for recruiting and that's and that's nice. I go well. And another another thing you might consider doing to augment that, I have worked with Lands End uh, out of Wisconsin, which is in a very small uh, community. They're a catalog uh, clothing company, and so they they are. It's really hard for them to find people at all, and and they've got to hold on to everyone that they they hire, <laughs> you know. So. Uh, they've done a deep think through on on what what can make it exciting to refer people and and one of the things they do is they they um, whoever um, refers another employee to work for their company they they give them uh, a lottery ticket um, you know per referral and you know at the end of the year they they put those all in the bowl and they draw out uh, one person and that person gets two tickets to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Which oh is wow! Probably you know a five thousand uh, dollar. Yeah, know, it's a it's a nice prize, and it's one that's hard to get. You know, even if you're buying tickets, they're hard to come by. So they, as a result, they have you know blue collar uh, workforce, and there's a lot of a lot of people in their company that bend over backwards to to refer people. You know, because if they can get uh, fifty tickets, their odds are going to go up. They're going to win. You know. And so you know, that's that's kind of creative. To, again, no one example is the end all, but how can you supplement what you're doing with something else that might 
might uh, work. In, in that case, create a real buzz that uh, money alone, uh, you probably won't, won't be able to get to that. Yeah, I love that. that that's a wonderful example. Um, and <laughs> there's... there's uh, so I've got a million examples like this. Oh, <laughs> you must. <laughs> yeah. Because it's... Just on, on incentives and what works and what doesn't. I, yeah. I, I remember sitting next to a, a guy on a across Atlantic uh, in a flight and who had been, you know, he was a CEO and he'd been president of a half dozen companies and was extremely, you know, uh, successful. And we were talking about, yeah, I ended up talking about what you do and I ended up talking about um, rewards and incentives and, and recognition. And so he goes, well, I'll tell you what I've seen in my career. I'll tell you what I've seen work best. And he gave me two examples. I <laughs> said, so one is any month that we have, the company is more profitable than it was the previous month. Yeah. Uh, I said, we, we give everyone a $25 uh, target gift card. He goes, my wife gets excited about it and he's making millions, but she gets excited about the $25 gift card. You know? And just like routine, any time where we did better this month than we did last month and here's in the profit, you know, then, yeah. And he does that because that it worked like a charm, you know, got people got focused on what it took and, and uh, more times than not, they would, and make it happen. So the other thing we did is I never would imagine the, the impact it would have is that I, he said, I give, I give all the employees in the company um, each year, they can elect to fire one of our clients. <laughs> and, and it's a, because you always have to deal with people that are, you know, pain and uh, you know, some clients, you know, the clients always, always right, you know, and, and, so some clients take advantage of that and they demand and they push and, you know, and it, it really rubs people raw. And so now they've got an outlet for that. So they'll debate, well, I'm nominating, you know, Joe for, for that award. And well, I've got, I've got someone I'm nominating, you know, and so it's kind of a, you know, bragging rights throughout the year. And, and then they come into the year and they, and they vote and they, and the person, the client that they're going to now fire, they bring them into the company and they, and, and the CEO says, you know, we really appreciate working with you over the, over the years, but I, we just want to tell you that we're not going to be able to continue going forward. Well, why is that? We pay our bills on time. Yes, yes, that's true. But we've decided that the emotional cost of dealing with you is too great and life's too short. So uh, we've decided to let you go. <laughs> the person's all all flustered, and uh, but that's it, you know, and everyone's going, Yeah. <laughs> So it's like, you know, you, you got to see so many companies that are doing the same old stuff, you know, yeah. that they've been doing since 1920 or 1940. And then they wonder why they, they don't have an exciting place to work and that people aren't clamoring to come here. It's, it's not good enough just to pay. Everyone gets a paycheck. Yeah. But not everyone feels special. Are you a company that makes people feel special? Again, that you have an eye out for who's performing and who delighted the customer and who suggested a cost-saving idea and, and who yes. is quick to be a team member and jump in without being asked. You, you can get clear on what are the behaviors that will make you more successful as a company and then systematically um, promote and reinforce those things with your people. In many ways, all you have is, is the people to define your company. And um, so instead of just going through the motions, get clear about what is it that would make this a special place, a world-class place to work. 
yes. and then systematically start to move in that direction. Yeah, I, I love had that. a I had a hospital I worked with in Syracuse, New York, and, and actually when I first started with them, they were in bankruptcy. And yeah, they had uh, we we got uh, and, and things were you know going dim. They're going to be out of business, and and uh, uh, they got. Um, they put out a, a message to every, every employee says if, uh, and in fact, they had a, a short-term CEO who's going, he's hired for 90 days. And he said, you know, whether this, this organization makes or not, it's out of my hands. I'm going to be gone in 90 days. You all have to decide if, if, if it's worth saving. And so they put out a message to everyone and they invited whoever's committed to helping to save the hospital to meet in the auditorium at 4 p.m. And they had, you know, 59, not everybody, but they had a, you know, 59 people, you know, showed up and they, they had a different discussion than never had before. What would it look like if we were uh, a great place, uh, if we were world-class, what would be different that we're not doing now? And they, and they brainstormed, they went through a whole, uh, and then then they, and then they prioritized what they brainstormed and they said, this make this happen. And that group kept meeting. They called them the simply the best uh, uh, committee. And I tell you what, they they did make it happen. What you focus on, you can make make uh, real become a reality. And they and they not only came out of bankruptcy, but um, within a year they were uh, named the best place to work in Syracuse, New York. Wow! No way. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, and it it was it was you know just great great ideas. Like they had one, you know, they had other hospitals they competed with, and and someone said, why? You know, we keep, we beat our head, uh, you know, competing with this other hospital. There's some things they do better than us, and some things we do better than them. Why don't we just refer people <laughs> to them around the things that they're better at and ask them to do the same for us? And and whoa, well, let's try it. And they did. And it, it worked. It worked uh, like a charm, you know. Or, or they had. It was just stuff like that. Or, or employees that would never, you know, never felt valued or considered. So they said, "Whoever has a, a idea for how we can save money, we'd like to hear it." And, and if you're sincere about it, well, people did have ideas. And instead of uh, what happens in most companies, you know, you put it in a suggestion box that's never opened. They actually had had people. That took it seriously and talked yeah. to them and and um, started implementing these ideas that, that one by one you know made sense and uh, saved money here and better service there and streamlined the process over here and pretty soon there <laughs> it's a more exciting place to work partly because the people that are working there are are, are changing it <laughs> as we go and and again very very powerful. Um, I worked with a company in, in Connecticut that uh, called Boardroom Inc. They do uh, newsletters and and books, and they and they did uh, something like that a program they called iPower, where they they simply asked, imagine this, you don't get can't get much simpler than this. They asked everyone that worked in the company to turn in two ideas each week for how we can improve things around here. <laughs> that was it. And then instead of oh shuffling that off to a committee that yeah. dismisses them all, they had a volunteer each each week, a different volunteer in the company, just, uh, hey, read some ideas, see if there's anything there that you like. And, and if you do, yeah, go back to that person and say, hey, I really like this idea. You should really do this one. 
let me know if I can help you. And so they just turned it around instead of going from year to year and they had, you know, a few, two or three ideas. They had all of a sudden thousands of ideas. They didn't implement all of them, but they implemented a lot of them and, and a, a whole lot of them. And they had a huge impact on, on everything from hiring to, um, I guess one of the biggest tales is they, uh, they improved their revenues fivefold in a three-year period just from doing that, just by asking everyone to, wow. to submit two things a week, fivefold <laughs> increase in their revenues. Yeah, so it, it's just it's just uh you know so it, change doesn't have to be hard you don't it, it doesn't it could sometimes it could be just very simple but but you hold to it you do a yes. simple thing and and then you and then they had to do you know to be you know transparent they had to have a couple tries at it, it didn't work out the first time so they go well that didn't work what did we learn from this do it again you know and uh so it took a couple tries to get up and running and then they couldn't turn it off. It was just, it was so successful that they, after after a, a year or two, they said, this is, we've got to share the wealth on this with everyone because they're making it happen. So they, they started a gain sharing that each quarter, you know, uh, all the money they made from the ideas that employees submitted, uh, they they divided it up and gave it back to people. And, and the only requirement to get in on gain sharing was that, you have to actually be someone that's continuing to submit new ideas because that's where it's coming from. And so uh, <laughs> just just wildly, wildly successful. I, I, I give you just a, a quick example because there there's just you do that and you get these just unbelievable, simple ideas that no one seemed to have ever thought of. They had a this is a company that get in their newsletters and they have these uh, hardbound books that they do. And uh, yeah. one of their shipping clerks is an hourly paid you know, minimum wage type employee in in the shipping department. Uh, one of their two suggestions, just one week, I uh, said, you know, next time we print this book that we we send out a lot of copies of, if we uh, have the printer trim the paper size, he calculated less than a sixteenth of an inch, we'd save some money on postage. And they go, wow, is he right? And they cut up a book. He, he's right. <laughs> they made that. Simple change. <laughs> in the first year, they saved five hundred thousand oh, dollars in postage. The, the CEO <laughs> of the company, Marty Edelson, told me, "said yeah. Bob, I've worked in direct mail for twenty-seven years. I didn't even know there was a fourth-class postal rate, but to the kid that's staring at the the shipping chart day in and day out, he knew there was. If we can find a way to get into his head and see what he sees <laughs> and yeah. act on it." That's the benefit we have to store. So that kid became a hero in their culture, and you know, uh, so it goes. You know, and, and that that maybe just doing that one thing would then spark, you know, three other people to have a new idea that they never thought of before. So that's that's the world I travel in, the world of possibilities, and it all comes down to the people, the people you hire, the people that, are, that uh, you you're hoping will will um, pursue the mission of the organization and. And any company starts with a small group of people, you know, yeah. and they're all passionate. But the challenge is holding on to that passion as you get larger. And all of a sudden, there's maybe more people than the the founders even know, and and no one even sees the founders or the president or the executives anymore. And what's going to carry everyone else to feel like this is worth showing up to work? It's got to be more than just the paycheck. 
absolutely. It's it's so simple. And what I hear there reminds me of that, uh, you know, Jim Collins idea of the flywheel that if you can just engage your people and then actually what I love about that story of the volunteer <laughs> is just going through it, forget a committee. They just come back and they say, this is really good. I think you should do this. And there's some sort of reinforcement where it actually, you reinforce it by take by actually reading it, by actually doing something about it, and then by rewarding it when it works, then that fuels the whole system and it just starts turning. And like you said, you then then you can't turn it off. Yes, it becomes it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy because people get excited about it, and and then and then you bring in the reinforcement of of having them make more as a result. It's usually you know when companies are are humming and very competitive that they can pay people better. You take in the airline industry um, in America, Southwest Airlines has been consistently the most profitable airline for the last thirty years. Um, well, part of they're also a great place to work and they have a lot of fun at work. And, and uh, so because they're successful um, because of the people they have, they're able to pay them better and give them better benefits. That means they can attract mm. talent and hold on to the longer. So it's a, again, a self-fulfilling prophecy. So what do you see as the biggest challenge for leaders in, you know, today to do this? What, 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 what do you see as holding people back when you go in? What's the lever? What's the, what's the thing that you find again and again, you're having to help people have a shift of perspective or, or change? Well, there's blind spots that people are, you know, they're focused on the goals they have, which often the financial goals or, you know, uh, so there's blind spots. So they, a big one I see is that everyone every time I've ever worked with always says feels that they know what their people, what's important to their people and what they want. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll initially talk to the organization about what they're doing to, to recognize people and make them feel valued. And they'll go on and talk about the summer picnic and what they do on people's birthdays. And here's a service awards and, and benefits and on and on and on. I say, well, you're doing quite a lot. I didn't hear recognition on that list. What do you mean? Well, you're basically, you're reinforcing people based on presence more than anything else. You know, they've been here five years, they get an award, they, it's their birthday. So because it's their birthday, we're going to yeah. have a cake in the, in the conference room for everyone that's got a birthday this month. You know, that, you're not really making them feel special about performance. You're just going through the motions. And, and uh, so stop doing that. You stop, that, you know, it, because what that leads to is it wasn't your intent, but it leads to a, a culture of entitlement where if you, if you do stuff for people just to be nice or because it's their birthday or because they've been here five or 10 years, no matter what they did, uh, then you got, they get the expectation you got to do more for them, you know, to keep me hanging around and, and you'll be the opposite direction than a, a performance-based culture. Uh, so you want to reinforce performance. Wow. Yeah. It makes a difference to your mutual success. And as you do that, people will uh, love working for you because they're seeing their own efforts come the fruit of their own efforts. And it will be exciting. It'll be more fun. Uh, and so there's a lot of people that don't, a lot of companies don't see that. And, and so having that, that knowledge base. Or, and then there's also uh, companies where I'd say leaders are, are they, they have a 
knowing doing gap. So they they might mm. know what's important to treat employees right, and I and you know, um, and I know that's really important. I read the one minute manager, you know, that positive <laughs> being positive, and and yet they haven't really done it much lately. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so you know, I talked to leaders, and they're all you know, fool themselves on how what a great manager they are, and then you talk to their employees, and inevitably someone you know within a couple of minutes they go are, are we talking about the same person because <laughs> fred never does anything when he when he first got the job three years ago i remember he brought in donuts but he hasn't done <laughs> we never see him he never is there to help us if anything is there to tell us what we messed up on you know <laughs> and don't get very far managing just on the the punitive on the yes. negative side of things that 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 uh that 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 drives people away from you and it also uh, extinguishes behavior. So then people's focus gets on, becomes more on how to, uh, you know, avoid being detected that they made a mistake. Make sure you've got a, an yes. email trail to say that you had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Make sure you can blame <laughs> someone else. And, and all their energy, energy goes into protecting, you know, that defensive and, and, you know, meanwhile, the customers already left. <laughs> so unfortunately that's what ends ends up happening that in, instead of uh, saying, well, what, what could we do? Yeah. Uh, and, and then starting with your employees, what, what is it that they want mm. and, and asking that and, and, you know, and some, sometimes they might say more money. I mean, it, it's, uh, and, but if they want more money, then we have to be more successful to pay them more. So it comes back to us doing together, doing better. You know, So we have more yes. money to share and better benefits and, so it's a kind of a kitchen and uh, chicken and egg uh, thing. Where do you start? Well, start with wherever you're at and see where, where you have and then what they find of value. Um, yes. And and then once you have that clear to give them more of that as they are successful in helping you um, be successful. So, you know, you might take um, so money will be in the mix, but it's it's rarely the end all. It's rarely, you know the largest generation in the workforce today is the millennials 88 percent of the millennials say money's not their top motivator 88 percent 76 percent say they'll work they'll work harder if they're challenged <laughs> if someone shows an interest in me and challenges me to do better that's enough i'll, I'll do uh, i'll do better just because someone is, is setting me up to do it you know uh, so it's it's uh the answer isn't just uh, money. Money's part of the mix, but very quickly, once people can pay the, their bills, mm. limit a standard of living to which they're accustomed, their attention quickly goes to other things. Um, pride uh, in the organization, in their work, uh, mm. being a member of the team, uh, being sought out and respected by leadership, being involved in decisions, especially those that affect them and their job, uh, being, uh, and when they make a mistake, you know, instead of finding being quick to find fault, uh, maybe maybe coming at it a little bit differently and and uh, asking about what you learned from that mistake. <laughs> There's a lot of managers that, that do not do that. If someone makes a mistake, they they want to call them out and prove that they're the smartest person in the room. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, that person is already is getting their resume ready to to leave because you're a jerk. They don't want to work for you anymore. And how much more powerful to say. To take a breath and say, "Well, I'm not sure I would have done it the same way, but what did you learn from that? 
That could be the best train you've had all year. I'm glad you made that mistake. Mm. You know, Bill, Bill Gates at um, Microsoft, he once said that you can tell a lot about the long-term viability of any organization simply by looking at how they handle mistakes. Because <laughs> if you, you punish people and they're going to they're gonna bury the mistakes so they don't get in trouble. Wow. <laughs> and yeah. you're, you're, it's going to take longer to, you know, it's, it's funny. It's, it's just how all the ways that comes out, you know. I had, uh, we, we bought a refrigerator recently and it was, you know, a name brand. Uh, and I won't embarrass the name brand here, but a name brand. And then the salesperson, oh yeah, this is, you know, high quality. And so we bought, we, we have the, the fridge for a couple, three months and we're going, gee, this, this freezer doesn't seem very cold. You know, <laughs> turns out the freezer is like 40 degrees. And so we, we get a, Get a repairman. And I go. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the, the company. Yeah, they knew they had this problem with these uh, refrigerators. And instead of fixing it in the assembly, I ah, will fix it in the field. Let <laughs> people call in. And so, oh so my god! We got a workman with our explains why our freezers aren't working. And by the by the way, it's gonna take three weeks to get the part. <laughs> You're going. What a you know. I'll never buy from this company again. You know, but it's just <laughs> it just makes you you know. Scratch your head and really, what are you? What are you thinking? You know, well, it looked more efficient. We we keep moving out fridges out of the. You know, our numbers will look good. You know, don't want to take a dip in our numbers, but but now you, you you're causing this huge problem on the back end uh, for your repairman out in the field. You know, so as a company, I would I'd say that'd be a source of embarrassment for those people that <laughs> you know care to track it. But anyway, so I, I think ultimately every company is as good as its people. Yes. And, and although every company would say, you know, uh, you know, people are our, our most important asset, it's not very often that a company really lives up to that and systematically tries to be better in that regard, better at, at catching people doing things right and celebrating successes and helping them learn and grow on yeah. a, a career path that, that they're interested in. And that's the uh, that's the mix I play in to try to try to help people uh, do that a little bit better. Yeah, it's uh, it's such important work, and and uh, like so much of the work in this space, I think it is very it is very simple, um, isn't it? At the end of the day, uh, it doesn't mean it's easy, but it yes. is it is simple. In fact, going back to your your opening uh, words on it, you know, Maya Angelou, who's who's uh, was a poet a laureate for uh, America, uh, she passed recently. She, she once said, I've learned that people will forget what, what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Mm. And I, I think leadership is, is about how, how, how you make people feel. And mm. are they, are they excited to work for you and excited to be in doing the job you need them to do every day and serving the customer that, you know, that, that's a very real proposition that every leader can impact in a very real way uh, by just taking a, a simple look at that and, and saying, how can, I, how can I, I help my employees be better and how can I catch them doing things right when, when, they're, when they're good? Um, and, you know, Peter Drucker, who, again, I had the fortune of, of uh, studying with and taking classes from, he, he, he defined management as, getting the work done through others. So it's not being a super mm -hmm. worker. It's not being smarter than everyone else and quicker to find fault. It's 
it's it's being there as a as a helper to your employees a servant sometimes servant leadership sometimes it's called it's it's yeah. getting to know your people and how can i help you do your job better uh and and not do it for them but help them do their job and and often that might mean uh, the leader going to bat to get uh, a resource that can make people more efficient that that the previous manager couldn't get or something so i I, I, you know, often I have uh, new managers ask me, well, what, what should I do as a new manager? I go, well, the last thing you want to do is to come in and, and be boastful about the, how great you are and, and instead come in lower key and mm. talk to people and, and interview the people that are going to be working for you and ask them about their needs on, on doing their job and what's important to them. And, and when you hear that from everybody, look at the short list of one or two things that that you could impact and then mm. do that, <laughs> make that happen. <laughs> and if it means going back to the person that hired you and say, you know, you put me in this job, you gotta, you gotta support me in the role or I'm, or I'm not gonna be successful. And, and so uh, we really need to get this software upgrade. We really need to get this, <laughs> whatever it might be, and then be the leader that, that shook the tree and made it happen. And and then your people are going to be in awe. They're going, this this guy this guy this guy they actually can make something happen. And and it's not just a joke or someone else from corporate, but they're actually mm -hmm. here to make our work more more efficient and our meaning more valuable in the jobs we're doing. You know, it's so yes. it's it's you know the, the best business is common sense. And I, I find that so many times people are 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 blind to the common sense. Uh, because they get caught up in in being busy or or you know the politics or whatever it might be, and I just uh, reset the agenda and come at it uh, more simply. I said, what if you can make a difference? What would that look like? And how what would that look like with your people? Yeah, if you can make a difference, what would that look like? What would it look like with your people? I, I know that our leaders uh, who are listening, who maybe some of their blind spots, they feel like uh, they've gotten a bit of a, <laughs> from hearing you tell some of these stories, maybe they feel like they're getting a glimpse of some of their blind spots. What what would be, if they paid you to come and sit down over a cup of coffee with them and chat with them about this, what would be sort of the, the main piece of advice on where to start for a leader who really knows they, they, they've got a lot of work to do in this area? Well, you got to start with the people. So you got to, any assumptions you have about your people, you got to stop and check those out. And so I worked with one corporation recently, and that, that one of the first things, you know, I saw what information they had, and that was useful. But I said, I really, I really would recommend that we do some focus groups uh, to, um, I want, there's some very simple stuff I want to ask your employees. And they, and they resisted that and said, no, we already know everything. And they had me meet with their, data analytics team, you know, five people about all the data they had on their people. And, and, uh, you know, we know if, if people feel this way about this, that they feel this other way about this, you know, that type of stuff. And I go, you, you haven't asked people what they need, what they want. And it, it took, actually it took them about a year before they actually let me do that. And then it took the, the findings I came up with, went to the executive team and they came back and they said, do more focus groups because well, this was all new to them. They, they had no idea. Wow. It, it was hard to believe that, that their people said these things where they, they thought that they were a better place to work than the evidence presented. 
You know, they thought because it yes. pays people well or above industry average and that promotional opportunities and it was a well-known company that that was good enough. And eh, it really wasn't. <laughs> Maybe that got people in the door, but you know, everyone's, everyone goes to work for what they hope to be a great company, but they end up leaving because of a poor manager. And, and uh, so it, it, it became a um, kind of day of reckoning. I was able to show yes. them that they had some big holes in, in how they, they were managing and leading their employees. And we were able to um, fill in those holes and, and get them on a, on a better path. So, yes, uh, I'd say start simply with talking to your people and asking them what they need and what they want. And then trying to come up with a plan to, to get, take that, that seriously and give them those things uh, when they perform well. Uh, not just to be nice, but when they perform well. So that would be uh, in redoing the motivation equation with any mm. company. I, that's where I would propose starting. And another way into it would be, you know, pretty much any of my books would get you into uh, the the real examples of what other companies are doing to to better uh, create a, a best place to work where where people are are eager to uh, uh, to work there. And like, for example, yeah. I, I, the company WD40, they make, uh, they actually, their they're CEOs from Australia, Gary oh, Ridge. Really? Yeah. He's, he's yeah. A wonderful guy. And it's a, you know, it's a, it's a $500 million uh, company and you know they, they're selling lubricant. Well, how boring is that? Right. They don't think so. <laughs> 99% of their employees love, telling people where they work. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's incredible. Why they're very excited. They've got 93% employee engagement rate. Uh, they, they are, uh, they, they are informed. Uh, they are, are vital to the company and the com company lets them know that. And it, it becomes a, a self. And so people join and then they stay forever because it, it's a great place and they, they help make it better. So that, that potential is true in any any company mm. uh, from the point where you start taking it more seriously and not just assuming that you you know and you're going through the motions. And then like the examples I gave, you're doing stuff that the company started in 1940 that you're, they keep doing, you know. So uh, and I got I to laugh when I see that, but it's, it's very pervasive. <laughs> you look at like years of yeah. service awards. 92% of companies have anniversary awards for your 5, 10, 15, 20 year. I, I've never been anyone that stayed a you know, day later in their job to get their 10 year pin. But we, but we make a big <laughs> thing of it and millions and millions and millions of dollars are spent. I know companies that spend $20 million just on service awards. You know, And, and if that's not really doing much of anything for your employees, it seems like a big waste of money and time and effort. And, that could have been redeployed on something that was more meaningful, both to the employees, but also to the success of the company. Yes. And, and focus, focus there. You know, I had, I mentioned Ken Blanchard. He wrote the one minute manager. One of the, throughout the book, there was these little insights. And, and one of the first ones of the book was that people that feel good about themselves perform well. I remember I was driving the car with him. He goes, Bob, we got it wrong on that one. It's not people that feel good about themselves perform well. It's people that perform well feel great about themselves. 
our job as leaders is to help people be performers first and foremost. Because if you do that, they're going to love their job. They're going to love themselves. They're going to be proud of themselves. Their family's going to be proud of them because they're making it happen. Yeah. So that's where it really starts with, with managers, not just commanding, commanding control and telling people what they did wrong, but, but empowering them to, to be the best they can be and, and to acknowledge and thank them when they make that happen. That's uh yeah that's incredible advice. I I love that uh, perspective that people uh pe- when people perform well they feel good about themselves. So how can we help them perform well and and also sometimes just know how well they are performing or not. That's that's something I've seen some organizations well, always. Yeah, just starting there. Yeah, always knowing that. Always always having a having an eye to how are they doing and and which means that the manager's got to be, you know, got to be on the lookout for it. And if they don't, they'll work person with the person. They've got to have good, you know, a good system to hear when things have yes. gone well, how they get involved. And you, you take, uh, you know, uh, someone like Jack Welsh, who, who created uh, eight or $9 billion of value at G- GE. Uh, he, he was notorious for, for writing notes to people throughout the organization where he saw that they made something something happen that was significant and, and it, it might be five layers below him but give me the name of the person who 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 did that you know and then he would he would jam a notary call him <laughs> and, and because, <laughs> because that's your that's the power you have as a leader to to uh to spotlight and emphasize the, the good news and who made it happen to encourage others to do likewise that's what man's is all, all about. And a lot of times that, that uh, gets lost uh, to, uh, to leaders that they get into a power trip or an ego trip and, and you know, that they're the person in charge kind of thing. And, and that's yeah. uh, unfortunate because I think that's, that's far less effective. I, I love what you said. Something that's really stuck with me from this conversation uh, was when you talked about listing the behaviors you want to see and, I know I've I've found Patrick Lencioni's work around um, around values really interesting in this way, and I've done this exercise with a lot of teams where you actually uh, and, and it's so funny the stuff that's so obvious that comes out for your organization, and it doesn't even have to be DNA core values, but just saying okay, who's who's the walking? I like to ask teams like who's the walking embodiment of everything good about this place? You know, who's that, who's that guy or who's that girl? Who's that, who's that woman? Who's that man who you just go, they are everything good about our organization, you know, and just list what are the things they do. And, uh, and then the, (laughs) and he talks about this, I I think, but it's always really funny um, when you flip it and you say, okay, think of the person who worked here and hopefully doesn't, still work here but sometimes that's the case but often there'll be someone who came in and they were the opposite they were like the personification of everything that doesn't work here like they just managed to they managed to break all the unspoken rules and and hopefully they they weren't a fit because they everyone just goes and it's funny how you look around the room and people just have that look on their and and they look at each other, they make eye contact, and there'll be one or two names, and it's it's not about you know shaming that person. It's about saying what was it in how they behaved that was such a deal breaker, and uh, and it's so simple. But just starting with a yeah. list of behaviors, 
Um, and I, I've recently been working with an amazing leader with a bunch of retail locations. And one of the things that I said to him, I said, you know, with this particular employee, I said, you talk about wanting to be the friendliest like uh, place. If, if, if this person wants to be challenged, like what you said before, I said, when you're there, just, you know, just look around, feel how friendly it is at the location that this manager is leading and give them feedback on, say, mm-hmm. you need to let them know you want it to be the friendliest place. They don't know that. And you need to let them know whether it is or isn't. And they they said, can you write that down? <laughs> you know, they thought it was, and, and I was like, that's just, you've yeah. told me that that's a behavior about your locations that's really, really important. That's a game changer. Yeah. That manager needs to so know be, that. Don't have it be a it secret. <laughs> don't have exactly. it be a secret that you're <laughs> That's so about true. Close doors and <laughs> put it out there. And in fact, celebrate that person and what they did and find a way to put them on a pedestal so other people can emulate what the, what the, that their success was. That's what it, uh, you know, and then what you're doing is you're basically doing blocking and tackling on those. You do the things, you get the right results. And so you get you get better and better, and that's that's where you know that's um, what I find. You you asked me earlier on, on just things I've seen and worked with companies. I I often find that it's easy to find someone that is doing some things well that they they're eager to do more. The the really hard case is finding a company that's not doing any of this stuff and yes. getting them to to do the first step. It's almost impossible. And that's that's uh, frustrating, but I've just learned that's, that that to be true. That uh, it's easier to take someone that's got a few, some things going for them and show them how to be an even better company, uh, because they they they've seen some of their own success, but someone yes. that just doesn't buy it, doesn't believe it, and doesn't feel that uh, they have time to, you know, worry about treating people right and so you know thanking them. Why should I thank them if I pay them? You know that should be thanks enough. Well, in 1920, maybe that was the case. I'm not sure it was then either, but uh, it's not good enough just to what you pay them. You've you got to be doing other things. There's a, there's a whole social contract, and there's there's pride and respect and, and respect and being being part of something larger than yourselves and, and being part of the team and and uh, being valued and included. And, and those all, you know, you can't do them all at once, but you can chip away and and be better at, at each of them. So I, I like I said, I, I pride myself on um, my books for uh, mainly for capturing real life examples of what this stuff looks like. <laughs> and yeah. and um, one way you know, can, can help spark any reader or to any leader to say, hey, I, I've had leaders tell me, I took your book and I, I passed it around my team and asked them to initial ideas they like in the margin. It turned it into a motivational handbook for my immediate team. It worked like oh, a charm. Like so um, yeah. whether it's that or or uh, companies that are trying to make a, a cultural shift uh, and, and getting getting that in the hands of um, a book that, that resonates, uh, my yes. book or maybe someone else's that resonates with what we're trying to do and put that into the, the hands of, of all leaders or, or, or uh, in the company is a good way to to um, take a quantum leap forward because now everyone hears the same message uh, at the same time. And now we're, and with that, you've given them explicit permission to 
act on and move in the direction that, that we're, we're reinforcing, that we're encouraging. And so that, that's a, a great way that you can have impact. I, I have a lot of companies that, um, like FedEx, uh, like they, the, a thousand one ways to reward employees mm. book I did 27 years ago. They, they, every, when they do manager orientation, every manager gets a copy of that book, you know, because mm. it kind of, kind of <laughs> says, says it in a way that, uh, you can come back to this time after time and, and find new ideas that, uh, and bring your own imprint to how you think people in your area or Kaiser Permanente. They do the same thing with managers that they part of their, their management orientation is they get a copy of, of that book, a thousand one ways to reward employees. Um, or uh, since then I, I, I did a book a few years ago called a thousand one ways to engage employees. Yeah. And um, of which the book has 10 chapters on the, the variables that most drive employee engagement. And, and the first chapter is all about recognition, which is what the research indicates. So that's the number one driver of engagement. And the second chapter is all about mm. career advancement, learning and growth, uh, and so on and so forth. And so that's that's kind of fun and exciting. Actually, the perhaps the most fun is my most recent book that came out just uh, less than a year ago, Work Made Fun Gets Done. Um, Easy ways to boost energy, morale, and results. And I did my, my co-author, uh, Dr. Uh, Mario Tamayo, mm. um, that I've known for 34 years, and, and we uh, uh, always have had a lot of fun working together. And we just captured what we've seen, and then we also did a lot of interviews and searching for for um, real examples of what it what it uh, means when people can make their work more fun and more meaningful. Uh, and that was a, a fun project that of yeah. all the interviews we did, I was, one of the things that, that surprised me is that uh, no two people had the same definition of what's fun to them in their work. You know, if you asked me what was fun, I'd say, well, it's when you're laughing, of course, you know, that's, that's yeah. you know, you're having fun if you're laughing. If you ask my wife that, she, she wouldn't say anything near that. She. <laughs> Because I've asked her, she'll, she'll say, well, fun is when you had a, you got a lot done at work and you, and you, at the end of the day, you can reflect back and have pride that you, you achieved what you hoped to. And I'm going, what, what does it have to do with laughing? You asked me what, what makes it fun to me. That's what makes it fun to me. So no, no two people had, had the same definition. So I, 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 that surprised me, but it's kind of encouraging because it said, you know, if you open up your eyes to this, it's all around us, and and I can put forth something that I like to do that's fun for our work group. And hey, let's use your idea next time, next week, you know. And and uh, you can you can doesn't have to be just one person's way. We can be collaborative and take turns, and that's gonna make it more fun for everybody. <laughs> that's uh, it's it's I I love that work, and that that's fascinating that everyone has a different. Uh, definition because yeah you're, you're in, intuitively you'd assume what's fun there's something about it that question that you go well I just would assume what I find fun is what everyone defines fun as yeah yeah and that's that that was uh, surprising to me but then uh, that it made sense why should you know I'd be the keeper of what's fun for other people it has, it's we have to have our own measurement for that and yeah so let's have the, the discussion where we can find out what's fun for each other and, and then uh, try and do more of those types of things. You know? So 
I, I like one one simple exercise I do when I when I'll have a group of people and I'll say, hey, just you know, turn to your person next to you and and share two things that you know that is fun to you when you're not at work. How do you what do you do on on the weekends and 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 just giving them ten or fifteen minutes to talk about that. Every time I've done that, people say, "Well, I had no idea that." You know, Gary was into gardening. I'm into gardening, and they you find overlaps or, or people that can build new connections. And in in the process of doing that, you build a tighter team where they have more in common. And so then, uh, with that, they you become a stronger team. Then you're you're going to be better at handling problems as they arise, um, and being creative and supporting each other. So there's a lot of good that comes from being a a better team and having that rapport that was that was uh, built. I worked with uh, ESPN, mm. um, these the sports caster, and they, I remember a manager there told me he said, whenever we start a a meeting, we always start the same way. We we identify as a group five things that are going well, five things, and usually it's pretty easy because we we hit it pretty hard. We have a lot of good results, but yeah, sometimes yeah. it's not. <laughs> so we we don't skip that step just because it's uh, it's not not easy so we we're going to stay on that until we identify five things and and so why we do that is because that's our our home room it's our touchstone that if we're able to affirm the success we've had in working together bring on the next thing you know the next obstacle we're going to make it happen there too so it's a it, it takes you know it takes a few minutes to do that but it's a reminder of what we can achieve in working together so that, that's yeah I, I, I love that i just think that's that's very smart or where i worked uh, last um fall with nasa space systems uh out of houston texas there's a people that put the a man on the moon you know they had some big goals and they were successful <laughs> yeah. and uh Na- nasa is ranked the number one best place to work in federal government in america 2.8 million employees and in, uh, in federal government and and the best agency to work for is NASA. And so, they, you know, I, I could feel that just walking in the building. And this is where I see this, this stuff it comes out in the culture and you can feel the energy and walk in the building and what's on the walls and you can hear it in the conversations and you could, you could see it in all that they do. And in fact, I was in a, a meeting with a bunch of leaders and as, as the time was wrapping up, they said, well, as, as is our custom, in the last 10 minutes of our meeting, we want to go around and ask each leader to share one thing they've done uh, to recognize someone on their team since we last have been together. Holy moly, <laughs> what a great idea. It's a, I love that. You can feel the energy and the pride of the room rise in front of you as people talk about what they're you know, someone tell what someone on my team did and what I did to thank them afterwards. And and then I know something else that their leaders take nates, notes on each other's ideas. That's a great one, Sam. I'm gonna try that idea. I never thought of that before. <laughs> and so they become they become a a self-learning uh leaders to get better and better at the things that are working for them. You know, it's like it, it, when you when you point out like that, it's not like, well, how would you do it? Why why would you do it any other way? It's it's you just you know, but a lot of people never never find that path to begin with. And and some of the things that, you know, in retrospect that sound like common sense are not are not common on the front end. In fact, there's yeah. Voltaire in sixteen forty that said that 
common sense is not very common. <laughs> and so sometimes we just need to, you know, stop stop the rat race and the, the problems and the complaining. The average the average worker spends 15% of their time at home complaining about their boss, by the way. So stop, stop doing that. Give that a break and focus on, on what you're excited about and how you can better do more of that and what it would look like if that happened. And uh, that becomes, you know, longest journey could start on the first step, and that becomes a, a great, a great way to get get things yeah. moving in in, the, in a better direction, and in, in one one where people feel they can make a difference and and feel that they're helpless and they're victim of of where they're working. So that's um, that's what I believe. I'm sticking to it. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> uh, so let me ask you, uh, I. I, well, firstly, this has been so great and so much fun, uh, Bob. I'd love to invite you back for another uh, episode down the track. It'd be great to to chat and hear more stories. I've Absolutely. just loved every every minute of this. Um, let's jump into Leadership Express. I'm just going to ask you a bunch of questions, and this is just sort of first sort of thing that that comes to your mind. Uh, there's always some really interesting nuggets that come out of of this. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Uh, now we've heard about your books, which, uh, which, which, uh, which I loved. What about, um, what is a book that you gift a lot to other people? Um, that's maybe particularly now to go along with yours that, that you would say, oh, I, I'd, I'd be putting this book into people's hands. Well, let's see. Um, they, they might be, uh, not ones you've heard of before. But one, one book that, I always loved from my graduate school studies was was about um, was called the nature of scientific revolution <laughs> by by authors Cohn K U H N and I loved it because uh, what he 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 explained and I found that the same to be true in organizations is that there's there's a um, a commonly accepted viewpoint for how how things are. And then someone would see it differently, and initially they'd be chastised and condemned, and and uh, and then yeah. the way they saw it turned out to be a, a better model to explain the world, <laughs> and that became the new reality. And over the the history of scientific evolution, we're talking centuries, every one of them happened like that. Going back to Gal Gallo, wow. uh, Galileo, uh, uh, who you know, said the world's not flat, you know, and, and and in his day he was he was a heretic and you know and almost burned at the stake and and yet he was he was uh, <laughs> turned out to be right, and so uh, in organizations the same thing happens uh, that uh, <laughs> this is the way it's always been. So the, the recent examples like with you know working from home in the hybrid workplace and now as the pandemic hopefully is winding down, you know, companies are saying, well, people have to come back to work, you know, and because that's where they were before. And I say, that's where they got to come back. So the, the CEO of uh, Morgan Stanley in New York city said, if you can go out to dinner in New York city, you can damn well come to the office <laughs> and come back to work in New York city. <laughs> and it's like, well, okay then, if that's what you really believe, you know, I guess if you pay people enough, you can make them do anything, but, but, um, times have changed. And, and that I, I think people aren't going to go back to the office and in, in the masses, 71% of the workforce, 
um, went to work remotely or at home during the pandemic. Of those, 58% of those that worked from home said if they're forced to go back into a, a central office, they will quit. <laughs> and yet so many companies wow. are, are saying, well, no, well, you got to come back. That's that's what before the pandemic that you were there. So you got to come back there. <laughs> well, well, why? Why is that? Well, for one, we got a, an office building that, that we built or we're leasing. And well, why don't you sublease it? <laughs> you know? right. It's all these reasons. That are just, what are we going to do and, with and this one, building? One of the ones that, yeah, exactly. Well, maybe it, it's so funny because if you if you let go of of the reality of the past doesn't have to be the future. Like my son works for a hundred percent virtual company, hundred percent. There's no office for any of them, and yeah. and they don't miss a beat. You know, they have when they have uh, meetings, they have people, you know, record their presentation on their cell phone, and then they they're downloading people view them before the meeting and. They start the meeting and they'll do a quick recap and take questions. So they have super short meetings and they're very efficient, you know. And well, and people say, well, you have to have culture. Culture comes from the office. Really? Is that? I don't. I don't think that's the case. Actually, I did. I did a research study uh, last summer about about yeah. that, and we found uh, looking at at uh, work pride, pride people have in, in their work or in their company, that there's no difference. And the pride they have for their work, no matter where they're working, whether it's at home or in the office. And there's actually slightly more pride in an organization wow. uh, when they can remote work remotely, more than if they had to go back in the office. And part of it, I think, is because those employees are saying, hey, my, my company trusts me enough to know to let me continue to work from home because they see I'm producing and, and they don't want to you know, mess that yeah. up if it's working for me. So I've got more respect for my employer. So I think that's where it's heading that, and not, not even, not even to count the, you know, the hour, two hour day commute that people have had to have, that that's never coming back. I don't think that people aren't going to go back to that easily or lightly. So that's an example, I think in, in today where, you know, we say, well, it's got to be this way because that's what it used to be. So I don't yeah. care what you think you got to come back. <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, that's uh, what about um, you've obviously worked with some amazing people, had some great mentors uh, around you. What is a great piece of advice you've received that comes to mind at some point around life or leadership? Well, in uh, leadership, I remember my first manager when I was working for a computer company many years ago, 35, 40 years ago, he Remember, he gave me an assignment and he said, I could probably do this, this task easier than you could, you could because I've done it many, many times. But I thought there'd be some learning for you. So if I wanted to give it to you for the, the challenge and the learning involved in it. And it was like, wow, he was right. You know, it was so the, wow. the fact of if you're smart about how you delegate work and you put it into a larger context of a learning opportunity. And, and let me know if, if I can help you understand, you know, the, the situation, what needs to be done, then it's, it's a strong motivator instead of yeah. just dumping work on people that you can, you can help craft and, and draw them towards um, their own, their own development and next job, next opportunity. I, 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 my personal definition of engagement is alignment between uh, personal aspirations 
and company objectives, which is, I think, very doable to happen. And the person to make it happen is every mm. leader in their sphere of influence with the people that they're managing. How can we connect them to um, the needs of the company in a more meaningful way that also helps them learn and grow and moves them to their next opportunity they, they want to have with the company? If you, yeah, you do that for people, they, they think twice about leaving because why would mm -hmm. I? I've got someone on, that's on, got my back here in this job, you know? And yeah, so yeah. things are, are happening. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Uh, what about a movie or a TV show that really impacted you? Mm -hmm. See. Keep in mind some recent... <laughs> I love asking this question because we have these really serious not that serious but you know like talking about really important things but i love asking leaders about uh, this question because you get the the funniest answers and it reminds people of the importance of having those outlets where so recent ones i had has been the golden girls and ali mcbeal <laughs> have been two of the uh -huh. shows recently so it doesn't have to be serious but it can be one of my all-time favorites um band of brothers is probably one of my one of my shows that's right up there that I feel like just I, I watched that and reminds me of, of why I do what I do uh, because you just see people on such an, you know, just see the team and the, anyway, it's, it's mind blowing. But what about you, Bob? Well, that's, that's, uh, those are some pretty classic movies there or shows. I, I would uh, just to bring a little bit more of fun edge to it. I, I yeah. really uh, uh, enjoyed what about Bob, which is a comedy, but it, in it, it had a, uh, you know, kind of a, showed a psychologist who was a bit of a stuffed shirt and was caught up in himself and how wise he was. And, and the, uh, his, his patient, uh, was played by Bill Murray, was uh, he really actually had more wisdom in, in his approach to life than, than the person that was supposed to be the, the uh, teacher. So that, that was uh, a very <laughs> That's great. And, I haven't watched that. I'll have to yeah. check it out. That's that's yeah. a brilliant recommendation. I love. Um, I have to admit that question I sort of throw in there because I, I also just love um, finding out about new, uh, uh, you, you know, new movies or TV shows. Well, new because I haven't come across them. So thank you. And uh, okay, last question. This will be hard because you've got so much uh, wisdom, so many books. But if you were sitting down with a young leader who was just starting out, and you could only give them one piece of advice, what would you say? Yes. Well, I've actually been in this position. And uh, yeah, it would be very basic advice. It would be, I, I, I just had a uh, intern and they, uh, and I said, the, the one thing that, uh, that you can learn from me that, that will serve you the rest of your career is that whenever you think you're finished with the project or a task or an email, whatever it is, take one more look at it afterwards and <laughs> just to, just to make sure it was your best work and there weren't any typos and, and, uh, you, you, you will never regret that. And you will regret if you rush to get it off and then the client or your boss said, Hey, you know, paragraph four didn't make any sense at all. It looks like you repeated yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, you feel like you, it looks like you didn't even proofread your own work. You know, if you don't have time to look at your own stuff. Why do I have time to look at it? You know, <laughs> so it's, uh, it could be as simple as, as that, of, of making it a personal 
a personal um, habit to when you think you're done, yeah. I don't care what it is, a proposal, a book proposal, a book, uh, a, a project, a, a corporate strategy, whatever it might be, whenever you think, okay, finally we're done. That was a, you know, the fifth draft or the 15th draft. At that point, when, you're, when you say it's time to send it off, take one more look <laughs> and you'll be yeah. glad you did. That's great. I, I was like, I'll, I'll see every now and then I'll see something that's published, a published, a published, you know, brochure, for example. And in the middle of the brochure, you read it, and and in parentheses, you hit you hit this line that says, "Gary, make sure you take this out before it goes to the printer." <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and they've been they published, you know, a hundred thousand copies of it. <laughs> and you're, yeah. you're just going. <laughs> <laughs> that's so uh, true or, or i've had uh i've had you know i'll do it as a favor when, when someone sends me stuff i remember like someone someone i respected the ceo of a company he's they had a whole you know program they were announcing and they were you know he, he ran it by me i said you know did you yeah you know, I, I point out something you know in in paragraph four that you you actually referenced the date that was already passed. Is that what you meant to do? And you, oh my God, we had everyone under the sun proofread that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So. No, that's great. Excellent advice and uh, something different that that I haven't heard before. So thank you for sharing that and uh, very rich. (laughs) This whole conversation has been wonderful, actually. Uh, So just once again, where can people find you? And for those who aren't that familiar with, with your work, one thing that popped into my head when you were talking about different books is what, what would be, where should people start if they're really interested in your whole sort of anthology of work, but what would be the best book to start with and where can people find you online, Bob? Well, I've got my own website, www.drbobnelson.com. That's D-R-B-O-B-N-E-L-S-O-N.com. And it talks about my, services and and the topics i speak on and it talks i've got most of my books that are at discounted prices cheaper than amazon so that would be uh, a good uh one-stop shop place to go um (laughs) i um like i said i yeah i do um consulting i do a lot of speaking so uh, and a lot of that's been you know, with the pandemic has been more virtual. So I just did a, um, uh, I just spoke to, just in the last year, you know, year I've, I've done keynotes for uh, large conferences in India and China. And and um, uh, so it's, it's always a little bit more fun to do it live, but uh, mm. I'll take what I can get and <laughs> this pandemic thing. Yeah, that's right. And what about a book to start? What what should someone who's just discovering your work, what would be the first book for them to read? Or does it really depend on what, what they want to solve? Oh, well, you know, I, I, you know, it's said that every author is writing the same book over and over. I think there's a little truth to that. So in any <laughs> of my books, I'm constantly advocating for the employee and, and uh, you know, trying to close the knowing doing gap and, trying to show people what it looks like. So uh, I'd say, uh, and, you know, of course, I love all my books. It's like, so it's hard to like, you know, choose between like children, but uh, (laughs) my, 
thousand ways to engage employees uh, gives you a, a quick overview of the top things that most engage people so that's a good one and and my my most recent so a lot of fun <laughs> work made fun gets done how you can do make your own work more enjoyable um if you're part of a group how you can make that more more fun and enjoyable how you can as an organization do things that build it into the culture where you're you're constantly having more fun so it's not fun just for fun's sake it's fun fun uh, that uh, will help you be more productive as well so um and it's just yeah it's just a delight to be able to share stuff and that you know that we would collect from other people and then like i'll give you an example i i, I was talking to this one person about you know what they do to make their work more meaningful and exciting and fun and and they said well actually uh, what I found is that, you know, in 2015, Yo-Yo Ma, the, the famous cellist, yeah. he, he played a live conf conference um, for a live concert, rather, for 8,000 people, three-hour concert. He played from memory. And uh, it's, on, it's on the Internet. You can look it up. And she goes, I put that on when I'm doing something that's really important to me. And it just makes it go easier. I just feel as I hear the hand mm. of God move through Yo-Yo Ma, so I feel mm. it with my own work. And it just, it really just puts me in the flow and in the focus. And mm. I, I got off the phone and I tried it. I said, damn, she's right. <laughs> it really did. So <laughs> there you go. It's a whole, the whole, we got in that book, we got like hundred, like 400, 500 examples of what people do to make their work more fun and meaningful. And yeah. any one of which could work for you. Maybe not all of them will, but if that one, you find one that doesn't work, you know, flip the page and try one on the next page. That's the, yeah, that's bound to find some things that uh, you hadn't thought of. That's a wonderful, uh, wonderful story. And that's brilliant, brilliant advice. And I think everyone uh, can lean into that more. Well, it's, uh, we are going to um, have an invite uh, I've already mentioned. Uh, hopefully, Dr. Bob Nelson, we can find a time to to do this again because i feel like um i've just enjoyed it so much i know this will be a uh, a favorite for listeners i can already tell so thank you to listeners for tuning in go and and get uh started or continue uh with uh, with bob's books and uh, and lean into those don't forget we also have the john o'white leadership podcast which is where i give you tips on casting vision and well-being and, and more just uh you know seven tips on on this or that for leadership and the leadership question of the day where i ask you a different question every day to put a stone in your shoe um there two podcasts you can also check out but i want to finish today by saying a massive massive thank you uh to dr bob nelson for coming on for sharing so many stories so much wisdom and uh it's just been a delight i've learned a lot and uh, i've got uh, a lot of things in my head, uh, you know, worrying around about how I can do things differently and how I can facilitate things uh, with uh, the teams and with the leaders I work with. So I've learned a lot today. I know listeners will have loved it. Uh, thank you, Bob. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Likewise. And I, I, I feel you've probably got a pretty good platform that you can help uh, greater impact uh, others and helping them be more successful as well.
Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership. And leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57 page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage consultclarity.org right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content. And it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders. And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this. I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John O. White or Clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in Step Up or Step Out. 
And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.